Before we get into today's episode, if you're listening to this podcast and you don't know by now, we're here to tell you that hockey has returned to ESPN. The NHL season has started back up, and that means you can stream your team's games on ESPN+. Plus, From the Stanley Cup champion Tampa Bay Lightning to the brand new Seattle Kraken. Subscribe to ESPN Plus so you don't miss a goal. In the Crease is presented by ADT. Brilliantly safe. In the Crease, the ESPN NHL podcast with Linda Cohn and Emily Kaplan. Emily Kaplan here with Linda Cohn and like, I don't know how this happens, but big news always breaks on days we're going to record the podcast. So we're just going to get right into it, Linda. Hey. Yeah. And thank the Lord that makes our life easier. And that's what it's all about. Only kidding. But yeah, um, finally, the eight months wait is over. Um, Jack Eichel has a new home and it's Vegas. And Emily, you know, this, you know, we heard, of course, um, let, let's talk about the deal. You know, they, the Knights have acquired Jack Eichel. Um, and a conditional pick from the Buffalo Sabres in exchange for Alex Tuck, Peyton Krebs, and two conditional picks. This came over, this became official early Thursday morning, and I mean early West Coast time um, when this happened, as I know. And um, But I woke up to find the news, and my first instinct is that we should have known this all along. Vegas was always to me, the top contender in the Eichel sweepstakes, because as I tweeted out, there is no Stanley Cup contender in more of a desperate situation for a number one for a franchise center um, than the Vegas Golden Knights. And they found one in Jack Eichel. And yes, it's gonna take four months after his surgery that he has preferred to uh, be have a chance to be 100% healthy. But let's face it, Emily, it's Vegas. It was worth the gamble. Yeah, well, and of course, it's so Vegas that it breaks at 4.45 a.m. local Vegas time. Um, But, you know, on Tuesday, when we had the Sabres broadcast on the intermission report, I reported that this deal was on the one yard line. And I started to get a lot of people who were criticizing me, you know, in the last 24, 36 hours saying, what does this girl know? Who's Emily Kaplan? She's just in it for the clicks. Guys, let me tell you, I'm not in this for the clicks. I'm in this to build my reputation as somebody who knows what's going on inside the game. And I wouldn't put a report out like that on a broadcast for the team unless I felt really good about it. And that one yard line quote was from someone that let's just say is extremely close to the situation. Someone that would know before I got on air, I told exactly what I was saying to Eichel's camp, to the Buffalo Sabres. And both of them told me that that sounded accurate because the truth is things intensified over the last couple of days, because we're now at a point where Jack Eichel needed this surgery and they were threatening a grievance against the Sabres from the NHLPA and Eichel's camp. He didn't have a a huge case there, but that's something that nobody wanted. No one wants to get into that messy legal battle, have the NHL involved. And so over the last two days, the Calgary Flames and the Vegas Golden Knights were the two front runners. I have been told that Carolina was like sneaking around and and sniffing around saying like, okay, we're still here, but they weren't going to be able to give up substantially what either of these teams would. And as Linda said, they didn't have the need for a number one center, really like the Vegas Golden Knights did. I'm happy for Jack because this saga gets to be over. He's going to get this surgery this week. One of the most interesting things that I found out while reporting this was that most of the teams, Linda, that Jack Eichel's camp talked to 
were totally fine with him getting this artificial disc replacement surgery. In fact, the only team that was really giving a hard line stance and giving him trouble was the Buffalo Sabres. Yeah, which is really bizarre to me. I mean, I respect Kevin Adams, the GM. I know it wasn't only about him. It's the ownership as well. But that, to me, didn't make so much sense. And when you're Jack Eichel, and I try to put my, um, you know, put myself in his head of like, you know, you want to feel wanted. You want to feel mm-hmm. supported. You want to feel that your ownership, your management believes you're making the right decision. You're the captain. And, um, you know, and, and all of these things. And when he just kept getting pushback, 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 you know, that's where the whole relationship deteriorated. I mentioned, you know, the the uh, parameters of the trade. I just want to get a little bit more specific. Again, you know, the Sabres acquiring forwards, Peyton Krebs, who maybe, just maybe, will be their new number one center down the road. I love I him. I got to say, Linda, when I was doing that Vegas Golden Knights uh, abs game, <laughs> yeah. he impressed me. Hi, Babs. By the way, as we're recording Babs this- Babs is impressed as well. Babs is perched over Linda's shoulder. I can't focus on anything Linda's saying. It's just how cute Babs looks. Um, anyways, when I was doing that game, such a high motor, just like a player that's always buzzing around, a lot tinier in person than I thought he'd be. He's definitely yes. a smaller kid. Skilled kid, though. And like you said, I think there's a lot of upside and potential there. But let's face it, he was playing with Vegas right now because they have a ton of injuries. He's still a prospect. Yeah, he's still a prospect. He is smaller in stature, but he is young. And being a mom that I am and having an amazing son, Dan, uh, they shoot up like weeds. You you blink (laughs) and then all of a sudden they're six foot two. Uh, So I'm not concerned about Peyton Krebs. You know, Alex Tuck is sidelined. So Alex Tuck goes to Buffalo. That's going to be well since he plays. Um, Top 10 protected 2022 first round pick and a 2023 second round pick in exchange for Eichel and that 2023 third round pick. And, you know, let's get back to why Vegas. We talked about the desperate need for a franchise center. We know about what this um, organization is about. It is about winning, not now, winning yesterday, right? I mean, they are built to win now. And, and all these Vegas Golden Knight fans, and I get you and I adore you, coming at me and saying, Linda, you know, uh, he can't play for four months at least. And how do we know if he's going to be 100% healthy? I'm like, again, you have to take this shot. He is Jack Eichel. When you look at guys uh, who were drafted in that amazing 2015 NHL draft, the most points accrued, he's the third most, I believe, behind McDavid and um, Mitch Marner. If I'm not, if he's not third, he's fourth. He puts up the points. He was playing for a crappy team and he still produced. Okay. Um, He has the experience of being a leader, but I have visions. If I'm a Vegas Golden Knight fan, I have visions once Stone and Pacioretty come back and then Eichel joins them. Look at that line. Mark Stone, Jack Eichel, Max Pacioretty. Three captains. Be the best line. Three captains. Great point. Best line in the NHL. We haven't yet seen the best of Jack Eichel. Now, if healthy, and I'm, you know, I'm, I'm sure that's what, I mean, I'm no doctor, but this is not, you know, 1845. I mean, we know he knows what he's doing. He comes back. I know it's not a foot injury or a shoulder injury. It's a neck injury. I get that people, but you got to have faith. So I'm looking at the positive as Emily, I always try to do. And the thing is, is that it's going to be awesome. It's worth the gamble. Vegas is built to win. Now they're going to wait it out. You know, we'll see. He'll be back in time for the playoffs. God willing. Um, You know, and your, your guy, Robin Leonard, tweeted out some fun stuff this morning, like the old days being reunited with Jack Eichel, a little gif of them hugging and the celebration. By the way, when you look at that gif of what Robin Leonard tweeted out with all those other guys that were hugging and, 
you know, embracing. Well, all those guys are not on the Sabres anymore, including Evander Kane. It was kind of funny, but, <laughs> but um, yeah. So um, I love this for Jack. I'm with you. I'm happy for Jack. Uh, and I think the best is yet to come because he's not going to have all that pressure. You know, I bring that up a lot, but it's the truth, Emily. I talked about this in our last episode. When you're a young player and you put the C on your sweater, it's really tough. And plus, when you're losing all the time, very difficult. We watched how Ryan O'Reilly, I always go back to Ryan O'Reilly, mm-hmm. was the captain, was a leader on that Buffalo Sabres team, did his best, worked so hard, gave it his all. He told us uh, back in September, media days in Chicago, he spoke about that. He has no ill will. He spoke about text messaging with Jack Eichel, if you recall, right? Talking about helping him through this adversity in Buffalo and uh, and they remain tight. And so look what Ryan O'Reilly became. Uh, just in a, 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 just bloomed into a, a Conn Smythe winner, a Stanley Cup winner, without all the pressure, without everything on his shoulders. And I believe when healthy, and I believe Jack Eichel will be healthy soon, four months at least, that is what he has to look forward to in Vegas. Yeah, and Linda, I've been doing a lot of talking recently with Stefania Bell, who is at ESPN our injury expert. She knows every doctor in this country. She talks to them constantly. And just to get the sense of, you know, the differences between this fusion and this ADR, why Buffalo might've been hesitant toward it. Is it that risky? Something that I learned that was fascinating is, you know, they say that the fusion surgery is the precedent. Only nine NHL players have had their fusion surgery. That's not crazy precedent. I mean, yeah. in the medical community, yes, it's nine and zero of successful surgeries, but just something to keep in mind. And there are a lot of athletes in other sports like, like UFC, like rugby, who have had this ADR and have come back at the same level. So um, from what I've been told from Jack's camp, he hasn't decided yet what surgeon he's going to go to. He has a few options. They're going to talk about it with Vegas today, Thursday, but the goal is to get it by week's end but he does want to consult with the Vegas docs on all of the research that he's been doing these last couple of weeks. Okay. We got to talk about it from the Buffalo perspective though, because we know Kevin yeah. Adams had a lot of pressures going on and he wanted to get this right. And he has gotten deals right in the past and he's held firm on his stance. It just seems with all of this uncertainty with him being pretty adamant that the team did not want to retain any of Jack Eichel's salary that his options were limited. And I know our buddy Kevin Weeks put out a proposed uh, Calgary trade that was right. a lot heftier than what Vegas ended up giving up. But I don't know if he could have done much better than this. No, I thought he did very well. I do. I know it's cliche. Given, this, given the time frame and situation, at a different time of year, he could have done better. I'll put it yes. that way. Yes, but they still had hope Jack Eichel would come around and doing what they preferred him to do medically. And that never happened. So Buffalo took a chance. Kevin Adams took a chance. I love the deal for Buffalo. Um, You know, obviously when Alex Tuck comes back, we know he's a great leader, put the puck in the net, great mitts, all of that. Local boy, Western New Yorker. There it is. Exactly. So he'll be close to home, family. Um, Peyton Krebs, you, you you never know with these prospects. We talked about him moments ago. Uh, he could turn out to be their franchise center. We have no idea. So anyone who's out there saying, oh, I don't know who this guy is. Listen, he's young. We'll see what happens, Buffalo. You have a lot to look forward to. And what the heck is wrong is, is stockpiling these amazing draft picks. Uh, last I look, Buffalo is still rebuilding. I know they're off to this great start and I'm rooting for them. 
because they're a fun team to root for. I love rooting for teams that no one thought was going to do anything. And I hope this continues for Buffalo. And, uh, you know, under the guidance of Granada behind the bench, that's what's happening. He has made them believe. You know, our buddy Dallas Akins, who I adore, the Ducks head coach, always says this to his players, confidence is a choice. And I love mm. that. That resonates with me because, you know, it doesn't matter what you do for a living. It's so true. Fake it till you make it. Just pretend you're confident. Choose that choice. Right. And so, and I'll get into the Ducks later because I did their game early in the week and had a great chat with uh, Troy Terry, who I'm just so impressed with, not only as a hockey player, but as a human at the age of 24. Uh, but getting back to the Buffalo Sabres situation, I'm a Sabres fan. I'm excited. I mean, Jack was never going to give you any more that he already gave you uh, emotionally, mentally, and of course, physically. And now you cut the cord. Now, okay, it's like, you know, breaking up, right? When you have to break up with someone, you have to just cut the cord. You can't like remain friends. You can't do all that silliness. Mm -hmm. You know, like, how are you doing? Text message. No. break. Clean break. And that's why uh, Buffalo Sabres fans, look at it that way, Buffalo Sabres fans, like you're breaking up with a long time, you know, significant other. And, you know, you just realized, all right, I have to break all connection. It's over. Yeah. You're listening to two women who may or may not have experience with this. <laughs> yeah. Hello. Oh, gosh. OK. Do we move on? Do we talk about this anymore? Yeah, let's move on because there's nothing else that can be said. Uh, because I know you're not a capologist. The only thing is obviously the 80 I'm million not. deal. It's true. Okay, so I, you know, we're we're not going to do the money thing. They're going to make it work. It's going to be complicated. LTIR is going to be involved for the second straight year. A team that is well, on the top of the league, like the Tampa Bay Lightning, were last year, are going to play some crazy salary cap gymnastics. But the rules are meant to be fudged to the fudged limit. Fudged, fudged to the limit. I like that. Fudged to the yeah. limit. All right. As long as I brought up the Ducks, I'm going to bring that up. Um, uh, you know, so their four nothing win the other night. I was in between the benches against the New Jersey Devils. You know, these two teams were mirror images of each other. Mm. Uh, veterans, uh, you know, a handful of veterans, whatever it is, two handfuls of veterans, but sprinkled in with these amazing young stars, stars with amazing potential, stars that are just kind of getting their wings and figuring it out. And uh Every time is the second time this early season that I've covered the Ducks in between the benches. And every, I just love them. There's a, there's so much more exciting. They create offense. Um, I want to share a couple of stories, if you don't mind, Emily, because, uh, and it's from the older to the younger. Okay. I mentioned Troy mm -hmm. Terry. I'll get to him in a sec, but uh, Ryan gets laugh. I had a chance to talk with him. I've known him for years, uh, even before I moved out to uh, Southern California just a great human. And we, we know it. It's, it's endless. He's so humble. He doesn't care about individual milestones, but this one mattered. And I'll tell you why, you know, I talked to him on, um, before the game, the milestone, of course, Ryan Getzlaff uh, becoming uh, the Anaheim Ducks all-time leading scorer, passing Timo Solani, his good buddy, um, an achievement that means a lot to him. Uh, not that he cares about numbers, Emily. What he cares about is being with one team and be having an impact for that mm. one team and being the head of the family. And he calls it the family, even- um, I before, like that, the head of the family. Yeah. And even before he reached the NHL, he was with one team uh, in juniors. I think it was Calgary, whatever, uh, you know, I, I leave that for weeksy. He's good with the uh, juniors and all that <laughs> stuff. But the point is, so I said, I said, let's flash back to off season, you know, Ryan. I said, you know, when you were deciding, you had options out there. Uh, not to return to the Anaheim Ducks, to play elsewhere. And he said, yeah, I had multiple options. And I said, how, how did this come into play 
the fact that you had an opportunity this season to reach this milestone and become the Ducks all-time leading scorer. And Getsy told me it played a huge part in staying with the Anaheim Ducks. Mm. It meant a lot to him, you know, even more so than winning another cup. He wanted to stay and he signed the one-year deal for four and a half million dollars. He's 36 years of age. And those young players, you saw the reaction, Troy Terry. So Getsy got the milestone on a gorgeous pass to Troy Terry and they, you know, won the game. And Troy Terry jumped into Ryan Getzlaff's arms. And Troy Terry told me he forgot he scored the go-ahead goal because he was so excited for his captain. And Troy couldn't stop telling me what, you know, Getsy has meant to him and in his development. And so that's, and then the side note of that Getzlaff story before I get into Troy Terry and I'll let, and I'll let you, I'm sure you have something to say about Getzlaff because you know how great he is. But so I said, so he said, so it's funny. He goes, Linda, it's funny. Before uh, that pass, before I reached the milestone of the big celebration, his wife and kids were in the stands, right? So uh, about moments before the milestone, his wife looks at his, her diamond ring, the wedding ring, and she notices, oh my God, one of the diamond stones are missing from my wedding ring. And she was like so conscious oh of that she's like, oh my God, what? And, and, and Ryan's recanting the conversation he had with his wife after. And she was telling him, I can't ruin this night. I can't tell him that I lost a diamond from our wedding ring, from my wedding ring, blah, blah, blah. And she's looking and she's there with their, you know, they got like four or five kids yeah, and yeah, she's yeah. like trying to find it. She couldn't find it. So he score, he reaches the milestone. Quickly, she had to like, okay, forget about the diamond that's somewhere on the floor of the Honda Center. She goes with the kids, meets them down below, part of the whole celebration. The Ducks did a great job with that. And then uh, one of the kids told dad about that mom lost the diamonds <laughs> of her ring. And then one of the security people found it. So it was a happy ending, but it was so funny. Ryan gets laughed. He, he, um, he told that story in my... Uh, because I asked him about it again to tell the viewers in the uh, pregame. And I thought it was hilarious because it could have been like a bittersweet. He goes, yeah. He goes, it was my big night. What but a day. Yeah. Losing a diamond. So that was kind of cool. But yeah. So Getsy, one of the best. The one thing I was just going to add is when you were talking about him wanting to be a duck and committing to the duck. When you're talking yeah. about Troy Terry and being a family. You know, one thing I reported on that broadcast in the intermission report is that I talked to John Gibson's agent. And there's just always this talk about him, right? That this is his year, right? Right. He's so good. He's going to be either the starting goaltender or the number two goaltender for Team USA at the Olympics. He's always shouldering this team on his back. And it's such a young team that's rebuilding. Like, does he want to be part of this? So there's always going to be this rumor and innuendo. Is he going to be traded? And I talked to his agent, Kurt Overhart, and he's like, you know, if you hear any of that conversation, let it be known. None of that is coming from John Gibson himself. He's committed to this team. And he honestly, like, he wouldn't have signed an eight-year deal if he didn't feel that way. And the sense I got from talking to Kurt is like, if John Gibson wanted to be traded or moved, he would be by now. He doesn't want to be. Now, things can change this season. When we get to the trade deadline, we'll see where he's at. But right. I think that's interesting as the Ducks have this interesting start with all these young players starting to rise to the occasion as John Gibson called them out at the beginning of the year. So these young yes. players need to step up. Um, it, it seems like they could be a long-term marriage. Yeah, and that and and that and that was um, a great update by you because we had during the broadcast that that soundbite from John Gibson just saying that chart, you know, saying, "Hey, it's time to step up." Um, this team was unwatchable last year. 
not this year. I mean, very exciting. And I, and Gibby is one of my favorite goaltenders. You know, I played the game, not that I'm, you know, an NHLer, but um, I played the position. This guy gives it his all. And I was talking to Kevin Weeks during the broadcast and saying, listen, we all know the biggest competitor. We always hear it. Oh, this goalie is the biggest competitor from covering the range. It's all I heard. Henrik Lundqvist. Oh, you'll never see a bigger competitor. It's like somebody says, you know, when a broadcaster says, it never gets better than this. It'll never get better than this. Yes, it will. It will always get better than this. What, you know, it's just, I hate that cliche, sidebar. I hate that cliche. There's always potential to get better than this. But getting back to John Gibson. Yes, I'm with you. Maybe I'm, I, I'm caring a little bit more about Gibby than the big picture of staying with a team that if the Ducks do not continue to progress and make a run for the postseason, which is possible because I always bring up the Pacific Division is, bleh, you know, of all of the divisions, any, anyone can win that division. Um, so that's possible. But he, want, he has told me, Diamond, his dream, he wants to win a Stanley Cup. There's no question about it. He wants to be in a position to win a Stanley Cup. The Olympics, he wants to. But he wants to win a Stanley Cup. And not that he's, you know, as old as Ryan Getzlaff, but he knows the time is ticking, the clock is ticking. So we'll see how it goes. I love him in Pittsburgh. The Penguins need a goalie. If they're close, you know, everybody back healthy, you know, Crosby, we know is in code protocol, but, you know, Malkin comes back, all of that. No offense to Tristan Jari giving his all. But, um, I mean, that would be a nice story. Gibby is such a good family man, we, we know, and I said it on the broadcast because he said it on our podcast, he delivered his own kids, helped the OB do so. Amazing moment. He's a family guy. There's no bigger family guy that delivers his own kids uh, than John Gibson. So uh, we'll see how it goes. But you're right. It's going to depend on how well the Ducks do down the stretch. Okay. The last thing I want to talk about in today's podcast, Linda, and I haven't talked about this anywhere else. I wanted to save the conversation for the podcast is a follow-up from the convo we had on Monday about Kyle Beach and the NHL's reaction to it specifically from a player's point of view and the NHLPA's point of view, because I think there's a lot of players who over the weekend, um, you know, when all this was breaking, started to get really angry and say, hold up, why did our union do not not do more to protect this guy? Isn't that the whole purpose of the union? Um, And they had this call on Monday with executive director Don Fear, and there were some rumors going around that maybe Don Fear's days of the union are going to be numbered. He's going to leave because of this. And I had talked to a couple guys before the call and they were all fired up. And then when I started asking about what happened on the call, I was really surprised and maybe I shouldn't have been that there was no fireworks. It felt like guys didn't want to rock the boat that much. Um, oh, they weren't no, organized. No, really? And I think it's because they weren't necessarily organized and they said, you know, I don't know, you know, what's going to happen. Well, who's so, in charge, Emily? Why are they not organized? Well, this is what happened. Exactly. So Don Fear basically suggested to all of them, hey, why don't we do an internal review or an external review rather, um, hire a law firm, just like the Blackhawks did, look at what the NHLPA's role, because I don't remember anything, but, you know, maybe they'll turn up something else. And the players are like, yeah, we need more information. That sounds fine. And I know for guys like Robin Lanner, and I've talked to Robin this week, it's frustrating because he feels on an island. Like he's the only one willing to lend his voice to this and fight. And guys have just been so conditioned for their entire hockey careers, dating back to juniors, to just fall in line and do what was said and not, you know, make yourself the story. And I think it's sad because I do think this should be an inflection point where we start to ask some hard questions and it just feels like no one's willing to do so. So I have a lot of time for Robin Lanner because I think he feels like a little defeated in this, that no one is really stepping up for him. And look, 
there's only so much he can take on. He's got to worry about being the starting goaltender. But come on, Golden he, I got to jump in. Is he okay? Because we talked about this in an earlier episode, and I said this is great what Robin Leonard's doing at the forefront. But until other players stand yeah, behind him, you did and, say and that, full, right? And and also, so when when what was you know you talk to Rob and a lot. What is his reaction to? Is he surprised that no one's stepping up and supporting this no, cause? He was the one that told me, you know. From a young age, guys are taught to follow line, follow orders, play and shut up and make no noise. Unfortunately, it's a hard habit to shake, I think. Sorry, I'm reading an exact text. Um, and another guy that I think of when I think of Robin is Brent Sopel, because he's in a bit of a similar situation as the only member of that 2010 Blackhawks team who's really been vocal throughout all of this. And it doesn't sound like he's getting as much support from his former teammates who are kind of trying to scatter and distance themselves. Yes. And on Brent. He called up the league office and said, I want a meeting with Gary Bettman. And Gary and Bettman got was it. like, how's tomorrow? Right. And then kudos Calling to Gary right Bettman. Yeah. Oh, my God. That's so cool. Tell me about the meeting. <laughs> All right. Yes. If, if we were on video right now, Emily's showing uh, her phone and there is uh, Sobel so calling cool. It's like he has ESPN or something. Oh, very right. funny. Mean Maybe girls. Maybe we wrap uh, it up so I can take yeah. this. Okay. So I just, I just want to tell you why I'm so impressed with Troy Terry. Because even at a young age, and he is the, uh, this guy is now, his name is being mentioned this year with Connor McDavid and Alex Ovechkin with, you know, point streaks, goals, uh, all of it. Uh, you know, I'll tell you, I think he's got nine goals already. Uh, it's just something crazy. I don't have an exact, maybe a seven goals. He's got a nine game. He's got, he's got seven goals. He's got a nine game uh, point streak. But uh, he admitted to me, like, not that he admitted, but even young players can learn, um, mm-hmm. live and learn. And he took everything so hard, he told me last year. He's been in the league now a couple of years. He took everything so hard. He said, I'd be on that roller coaster ride, Linda. He said, when I had a great game, I was so high about having a great game. And then when I had a bad game, I was, cra- you know, you know, this is how fragile, you know, when you put pressure on yourself, it can be. Because when you have a bad game, he says, I was just so down. And my confidence was shot, mm. shot. And I learned to become more even keel. I learned not to take everything so hard. I learned, he goes, I'm, a, I over, I'm an overthinker. I overanalyze everything. And so I learned to be even keel and getting back to, you know, his coach and his um, in the room leadership there. Kevin Shattenkirk, by the way, huge leader in that room has helped uh, these young players as well. And so he said, and I have a more balanced life. He got, a, he's got engaged over mm-hmm. the summer. And uh, he got a dog named Sullivan. So I just wanted to say, like, even at a young, you don't have to wait till you're 34 or 30, like, you know, your age, you know, he's 24 and he's already figured it out. And that's his reason for this tremendous success. It's such a strong message is like, you can't be successful in anything that you do unless you feel confident in where you're at and you've kind of got to take care of yourself and your mental space. And then everything yep. else kind of takes care of itself. Right. And one side note about Gibby delivering his own kids. I asked Kevin Shattenkirk about it because uh, his his wife uh, had their second child uh-huh. around the same time Gibby did. And I asked Kevin Shattenkirk, of course, veteran defenseman on the Ducks about Gibby. And are you surprised? He goes, I'm not surprised at all. Gibby's the kind of guy that wants his hands in everything. And I mean everything, (laughs) everything. He has to know what's going on at every moment, at every second. And so I'm not surprised at all. He helped the doctor deliver his own. That's hilarious. What a good response. (laughs) All right. 
That's all I got. And I will be in between the benches first time at Staples Center Ooh. as being in between the benches. Of course, I've been to Staples Center five million times. Who has still. it? Okay, Me? well, you have. Okay, you haven't. You haven't. I've been there a million times. Uh, but um, so I'm really psyched. Kings, Devils. So our, uh, next week, I'll tell you all about it. And also, I'll no, tell you an interesting Friday? story. That is Friday. Thank you, Emily. It is Friday night on ESPN+. And um, next podcast uh, on Monday, I'll tell you a great story about Dawson Mercer, the devil's incredible uh, rookie, who's just a, a great kid uh, from Newfoundland. So um, talk about it. There's the tease. Love a good Newfie. Um, yeah. I'll be on the point on ESPN two today, Thursday, um, maybe taking it easy this weekend, Linda famous last words. It's been kind of a wild few ones. There's, that's not in your vocabulary, taking it easy. Like the old Eagles song. No, I hope so for you. <laughs> nothing else breaks, but, uh, yeah, well, you can, you know what, you can always you know watch. Better. Yes. You can always watch me on in the crease tonight on ESPN plus and, uh, and you can always do, and on Saturday night as well. Cause I too, I don't think I ever have a day off. I have to get on that. Emily, call your God, call your representation. Oh, I'll call my representation. <laughs> get us a vacation together. <laughs> exactly. Pick a spot. We'll have to keep doing the podcast, though. I promise. We'll never take off. Okay. Before we let you go, we want you all to go. Please check out Swagoo and Perk, a new ESPN podcast led by its namesake host, former NFL veteran and analyst, Marcus Spears, he's Swagoo, and NBA champion and analyst Kendrick Perkins, Perk, with new episodes every Tuesday morning. Spears and Perkins will bring listeners the latest NBA and NFL news, as well as a look inside their lives, career journey, with can't-miss conversations, and welcome in top sports and celebrity guests. That's Swagoo and Perk. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.